welcome to Horrible Friends. It's a horror podcast in book club format. Today we have Evil Dead from uh was it what year is that? 1980 something. 81. Yeah, there we go. 81. Uh and uh starting off, I'm Kyle. I'm Chris. I'm Mike. I'm Dan. And I'm Jarvis. And yeah, so we have the original Evil Dead, Bruce Campbell. Uh what what a movie. Uh you can find this on I think I watched it on Hulu. Uh you can find uh, it on Netflix. I watched it on Netflix. Yeah. It's on a bunch of places. It's actually relatively easy to find, which is great. Um and with that uh, general flow of this podcast is we're going to talk about some history we're going to talk about the uh plot then we're going to go and move into cinematics and uh music and special effects and kind of round it out with the spooky meter and then we're gonna just sign off so starting off dan do you have the history on this absolutely so evil dead from 1981 uh let's start off with our nude clock so we all have a general consensus this week it's wonderful when that happens and our nude clock clocks in around 22 minutes and 13 seconds uh the director for evil dead is sam Raimi. Uh, Raimi. Raimi. Sorry. Thank you. Um, he's also known for writing and directing Evil Dead 2, Army of Darkness, Spider-Man's 1 through 3, uh, Drag Me to Hell. So he's he's been working on a lot of different things over the years. Uh, the budget for this, which we will definitely talk about multiple times throughout this episode, is very interesting stories about it. Uh, the budget was only three hundred fifty thousand dollars at the time of recording, which is approximately only one point zero four million uh, to today's standards. Uh, but the box office, man, box office killed it. Made two point seven million or twenty nine point four million. It's a very big gap there. Hmm. But um, generally, this movie did very, very, very well. Much, much better than anticipated, I believe. Um, actually so much so that Stephen King has proclaimed this to be his fifth favorite movie in the genre. And, uh, just because he came out and said that when this movie came out, it actually attracted a lot of critics, which was, uh, part of the reason that this movie did do so well at the box office. Um, fun fact is that this movie is also just like last week filmed in Canada. No, it's not. I don't want to say again. Um, Trying to set me off early, Dan. (laughs) This movie was filmed in Morristown, uh, Tennessee, which is where the the cabin used to be. The cabin is no longer standing. Unfortunately, just the chimney stack at this point is actually standing. Uh, The runtime of this is about 85 minutes. And as I always do. Oh, hey, guys, I did have a nude clock. I have the same exact thing as you guys. Hey, look at that. (laughs) As I always do, in 1981, we had some other great horror movies. We had My Bloody Valentine came out. We had American Werewolf in London. We had Halloween 2, which is the John Carpenter uh, series of those. We have Scanners, The Howling, and Friday the 13th 2. So with that being said, and all that being put out of the way, I'm going to pass this over to Chris, who's going to give us our plot. What you got, Chris? Thank you, Dan. So our movie opens up with five college students. We have Ash, Linda, Shelley, Scott, and Cheryl, all driving up to a mountain for a nice weekend trip to a cabin in the woods. 
So while driving, it seems like there's kind of something watching him from the trees, you know, maybe an evil presence, who knows? And as Ash is trying to uh, read the map and explain to Scott where they are, all of a sudden the steering wheel is suddenly jerked out of Scott's hands and they nearly hit a passing. Oh, scary. So as they approach the cabin, they go to cross the bridge and bridge just immediately starts kind of falling apart as soon as the car touches it. Ash looks out the window or opens the door, looks down, just giant empty hole. But no one really actually seems that concerned and the car just kind of drives over and carries on. Yeah, that was a giant nope for me. I, I would have turned around right then. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That dude's going 70 miles. So I've lived in Tennessee for many years. That dude's doing like 70 around like cliff turns. And then like they almost hit that car. And then you you see him <laughs> drinking from a fuck clearly from like a, a jar. Uh, jar of moonshine. Yep. I had the same thing. I mean, I what can understand. What fuck, guy? <laughs> well, it was a very hipster thing to do nowadays to drink out of jars because you don't want to like waste plastic or you don't want to have like. Yeah, nowadays. Dude, they're in Tennessee. They're in Tennessee in 1981. (laughs) There's one thing that is in that mason jar, and it is made from Kern, and it's probably syrup. So they arrive at the cabin. Scott walks towards the door where the keys are left up on top of the door frame. And as he's walking up to the cabin, the swing is kind of unsettling, just kind of like knocking into the cabin rhythmically, no wind. And as soon as he picks up the keys and starts to open the door, it just stops. Yeah, no. Not creepy at all. After he picks up the keys, he's like, it's probably one of these keys. He's like, really? You think it's one of the keys that was sitting on top of the door that's going to open the door? I mean, it might be one of those keys. Car keys, front door keys, dungeon keys. Ah, oh, here it is. Door key. So Scott opens up the cabin, takes a look around, checks out the rooms, checks out the shed in the back, everyone else unpacks the car, and little jump cut of time guessing everyone's all settled in and we you know cut to cheryl ash's sister who's kind of just relaxing in the living room drawing the clock on the wall why not and all of a sudden the clock suddenly just stops ticking and chimes extremely loudly and as soon as that happens a gust of wind blows through the window startling her and it didn't it took it to the second time i watched it you actually faintly hear the voice saying join us which you know no cause for alarm, apparently. No. Yeah, so a couple things there, right? So we touched, you know, first of all, like, those friends are fucking dicks. Because it was it, it was Scott opening the door, right? Yeah. Was it Scott or Ash? Okay, Scott Scott's opening, opening the, the door. door. They just stood by the car like they were not going into that fucking house. So already we know that this is not going to be a team dynamic against whatever demonic forces we're up against here. The second thing, and I don't know if this went into the budget or just kind of like stylistic choices, but like they, the director, Sam Raimi, was just like, all right, I want you to fill the fuck out of this house with fog because when he opened that door i was like okay clearly they've just missed the ghost orgy slash monthly cigar club (laughs) (laughs) it was very smoky in there for apparently no reason yeah and it was confusing and dude when that clock stopped though too immediately so i wrote down it's 552 in the middle of fucking nowhere do you know what demons are in your hand right now (laughs) Yeah, but you got to admit, the demon was nice enough to flip the page so that she wouldn't scribble on the page that 
like she was doodling on with the clock. Like it was like, oh, we don't want to mess that up here. Let's let's flip the page a couple and just fucking scribble the shit out. <laughs> That's very true. Yeah, that is true. Was so, anybody else taken aback by how young Bruce Campbell looked? Oh my god, but, what a baby! Taken aback by the unibrow oh, that Bruce Campbell had. Oh wow, well, yeah. His voice was like. Compared to how he sounds now, he sounded like he would suck on helium. Like he sounded really high pitched and not like the voice I'm used to hearing come out of him. I mean, he was You're only right. uh, it was 21 when they made this. Yeah. Oh, wow. It sounded almost prepubescent. I mean, how many Comic Cons has this guy been at where he's just like, I'm Bruce Campbell? Uh, he's an Horror icon. movie sex symbol. He's like an icon when he goes to that kind of stuff because he mm-hmm. oh, it's, yeah. like, it's like launch his career. He I mean, even just a couple of years ago, he did a TV series, Ash vs. Evil Dead. So he's been riding the Evil Dead train for a long time. And fans, like especially me, I'm always happy to see him play that character. I also want to say one last thing before Chris jumps back in. I know that um, we were talking about this earlier, but and all movies uh, take after this movie. But man, I really appreciate Cabin in the Woods so much for being just the original horror movie. Like a- after seeing this cabin in Evil Dead, I'm just like, man, I really appreciate that movie. It was a homage to Cabin in the Woods. I mean, Cabin in, right. Cabin in the Woods created so many like good concepts and good monsters that just all these other Absolutely. movies came along and. So, you know, I'm going to use that. I'm going to use that. I'm going to use that. And Cabin in the Woods mm-hmm. doesn't get the credit it deserves for all these original creations. Underrated. Mm-hmm. No, you're absolutely right. It was hard to watch. I mean, it was so clearly, uh, you know, ah, oh, fuck, I forgot the word. Ah, damn it. Never mind. Skip me. It's a rip off. It's a rip off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but do you want me to do that? Uh, anyway. Thank <laughs> you. So, as Dan and Mike kind of like uh, jumped on a little bit as she was going to go return to her drawing. Her hand suddenly becomes possessed and just immediately destroys the page that she was drawing on. And I mean, without knowing anything about this movie, it just looks like a ripped up square, but it's supposed to signify something they're soon to find. Um, jump forward because she decides not to tell anyone about that because it's just super normal. Um, Everyone's sitting down to eat dinner. Ash stands up to give a toast that he butchers horribly, trying to make some kind of Greek quote that just doesn't work. And um, all of a sudden, the cellar door just flies open. And as typical white people, they decide, hey, that cellar just opened. Let's go check it out. That was a scary door. Like the first thing that jumped into my mind was (laughs) that line from uh, Futurama. Imagine if you will. The scary door. <laughs> the scary door. I I immediately was taken back to Cabin in the Woods again, and I thought it was probably just the wind. <laughs> that, yes. That makes what? What sense? <laughs> Derivative. That's the word. There it is. There you go. Hey, we got there. <laughs> did it. I got it. I did it, guys. Thanks. Continue, Chris. <laughs> so, Ash and Scott uh, go down to investigate which uh, they end up finding a recording machine, a shotgun, a very ancient-looking dagger, and, you know, a book made of human flesh. Also, I will say, I love the comment he makes as he's holding, like, this dagger with this gross-looking skull on it, and he's like, oh, it's weird. Kind of reminds me of your (laughs) ex-girlfriend. All typical things in Tennessee basements, man. 
let me tell you. Oh. <laughs> how old how old was this cabin supposed to be? Because there was definitely like piping downstairs and oh, all the pipes were leaking. And the thing I noticed too was there was a a Hills Have Eyes poster sitting yes. on the wall. So uh, I mean Hills Have Eyes oh, came oh. out in seventy seven or seventy eight. And this was eighty one, so somebody was upkeeping that cabin a little bit at least. I think there there are some moments. I, I saw some articles somewhere, which God, I can't remember where it was, and it could have just been a bullshit article. But that they did have uh, some like references to horror movies on purpose in the movie. Yeah. So I think the hills have eyes being there was definitely one, and it's either in this one or in Evil Dead Two. There's like an homage to Freddy Krueger's claw hand in the uh, woodshed in the back. Yeah, I like when movies do that. They pay uh, tribute to each other just by little simple things in the background that you wouldn't typically notice unless you knew the reference. Only if these guys did that for Cabin in the Woods, that gave them so much things with. Yeah, they should have at least uh, paid homage to Cabin in the Woods. Definitely should have paid homage to that. Close thing they did was have a cabin in the woods. Mm -hmm. Yeah, total bullshit. This movie's so derivative. This 1981 classic horror movie is so derivative of the <laughs> 2000, See, you 2010 to, era. You are not I'm just going to say that lot. word so now much. That now that you have the I feel word, like you're, you're going to keep using it. Wow, Chris, your reaction is very derivative of everyone else's attitude towards me right now. But anyway, I have a question for Dan, um, <laughs> because I love poking and prodding. Dan, where do you stand on women being the first ones to go down the cellar? Because it seems like a, a fairly reoccurring theme that women are not the first ones to go down creepy stairs. Do you think that should be more represented in the horror genre? Let us hear your thoughts. Mm -hmm. I actually just think it goes to show the machismo attitude that is given to men in the genre where they feel like I'm the man I must go. And the women are like, that seems pretty fucking dumb, but okay. So (laughs) I, I mean, typically in horror movies, what we see the woman lives longer so that's why like some people say that horror not not in this one okay, well okay. counter <laughs> counterpoint to your argument i didn't finish my argument oh, <laughs> <God>. <laughs> um, <laughs> um in a lot of people say i've read different articles where they say that horror movies are kind of like uh feminists because the woman is normally the last person or the person who survives, uh, which, I mean, you could think of like scream queens, like there's a term for it in itself. So uh, I I think it might just be smart people don't go down in the cellar and dumb people do. Yeah, I mean, there's a whole like study based on horror movies in general. And like you said, the female characters, a lot of times the one to live, she's referred to as the, the final girl. There's like been research papers on it and complete studies on it. So you're accurate when you say that. But my counterpoint, say like tonight you and your wife are in like lying in bed together trying to get some sleep. You hear a noise from the kitchen. Are you going to be the one to get it? Or are you going to just lean over to her and say, you know, why don't you go check that out? I will give you a real life scenario. When I first moved into my house and it was a really windy night, very eerie. And I just heard scratching on the side of my house. It just... Literally just scratching. No idea what it was. Did I go outside? No, I closed my eyes and I was like, I'm <laughs> sleep. Um, turns out it was like a branch that was like a close, too close to my house. And when it the wind blew, it like scratched. But like, did I go out and check? 
No. So my answer to that is, what would I do if I heard a noise in the kitchen? I'd close my eyes and keep peeking and see if something's coming in to kill me. And if it's not, I'm going back to bed and I'll just die or whatever. Like I'm, I, I <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. It was going to happen anyway. I don't need to be scared about it. Just let it happen. If I'm dying, I'm dying in my sleep. Exactly. Anyway, so they decide to take everything they found, the machine, shotgun, dagger, and human flesh book. Take it all back upstairs. Oh, wait, and, hold on. Wh- which one of those wins in a rock, paper, scissors kind of fight? Oh, a recording machine, dagger, or a flesh book? Yeah. Mm. yeah. That's a good one. It's got to be flesh book. It's got to be flesh book. Well, I say flesh book beats recorder, uh-huh. dagger beats book. Uh-huh. And, and recorder beats dagger. Yeah. yeah okay. I don't know why, but it, it does. It's got to beat something. Yeah, I'm into it. I like it. <laughs> all right, we have a new rock, paper, scissors for all our listeners. Make it happen. <laughs> Spread it. Spread it to the world. Recorder, dagger, book. We'll figure out the hand, we'll, the hand movements later. <laughs> we'll figure Not out the hand now. motions. Um, so while they're showing upstairs, they decide to play this terrifying recorder. And sure enough, it's a man talking about how he these crazy uh, expeditions. And he found this book, which is, as I said, it's made of human flesh and inked in human blood. And I would like to point out that I love that they hear that and every single person sitting there is just kind of like, <laughs> I'm going to say this man clearly did not think like about his process of making his warning on the tape. He's like, OK, so I found this book and I read from this book and then demons started to appear. So here's what I read from the book. And <laughs> just and then that's what sets off this whole movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, I will say uh, I like the follow-up movies and TV show. In this one, it's referred to as the uh, Notorum de Moto for Book of the Dead. And in the follow-up movie, Army of Darkness, and the TV show and every other iteration, uh, they refer to it as the uh, Necronomicon Ex Mortis, Mm -hmm. which I like that better. It just sounded cooler. Agreed. It does. It sounds cooler. (laughs) So I I really like Scotty's uh, comments here. Uh, If I can quote him, He's a very elegant speaker. So if I can. So elegant. Uh, This guy is a turd. (laughs) Next one. I'm going to break your face. So I just I I really like what Scotty brings to the dynamic of this group. Yeah, I said Scotty doesn't know. (laughs) That was my joke. And uh, I hate him. (laughs) I hate you for making the joke. You're welcome. Thank you. He joked and, about muzzle awareness in, in, in the basement when he pointed the gun at Ash. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like, ha, 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 I have a gun in your face. It's muzzle and, awareness and, is not a joke, Scotty. Like, mm-hmm. get that through your fucking thick skull. And I love at first, like, Ash is kind of like, oh, and then just laughs about it. <laughs> just like, <laughs> you had a gun in my face. <laughs> Good one, Scotty. That's hilarious. Classic. Yeah, that's so, why his uh, girlfriend was sleeping with Matt Damon, because Scotty does not know. That's true. So, as Mike pointed out, the guy who left this recording, horrible instructions where it is legit. So, I read incantations of this book, and it created horrible things. So I will now say out loud the incantations that I've read in this book to begin some horrible things. Before he really starts the incantation, Cheryl starts freaking out, wants him to shut it off. Uh, She shuts it off. Scotty gets all pissy about it. He turns it back on. Incantations happen, and that's when we get like visuals from outside that shit is gonna go down. That happens. Cheryl screams, runs off to a room. They show off the tape, and they just kind of move on. 
you hit the nail on the head, buddy. Like <laughs> I've found this book that all of these horrible things will happen if you read the text, which I will now read to you in their entirety. Strap in. <laughs> Very strange. Zero to ten worst audible I've ever heard. Yes. Audible ever. Worst audible ever. Um, this next scene I only have to mention because it is integral to the plot later on, but it's very annoying and horribly cheesy. So everyone's off in their respective rooms. Ash and Linda are just, you know, hanging out in the living room, having a nice moment. And Ash gives Linda this gift he got her, which is a mini magnifying glass necklace. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So before I go on, <laughs> I will throw a little bit of trivia about this. Um, while reading a uh, Reddit AMA scandal, uh, someone asked him if he still had the uh, magnifying glass uh, necklace, which he responded with, you think I... Bruce Campbell decided to keep this horrible piece of shit jewelry. You're sick in the head. It was the ugliest thing I'd ever seen, and Sam had bought it himself at this small, run-down jewelry store in town, and he said, we're going to use this in the movie, and I replied with, why? And only because later on, there was this whole big thing how he wanted it to end with the necklace, and I'll get to that later. But just, yeah, Bruce Campbell thought this was the most hideous piece of jewelry he'd ever seen. But he had to have it in the movie. Okay. Is anyone going to talk about what that piece of jewelry alluded to? Or, or, or does it have to be me? Go ahead. Did, Go for it. did, Ash, not, did, not, did Ash not gift her a tiny magnifying lens necklace is it not a micro penis joke is it not tell me if i'm wrong uh, you don't you take those words out of your mouth you don't sell it the name of bruce campbell with such allegations <laughs> who the fuck would give their girlfriend a tiny magnifying glass my wife would have laughed so hard if i had given her that necklace and she would never let me live it down she would wear it every day not because it was aesthetically pleasing but because she knew that she could laugh at the thought of me yeah. having a micro penis. I can see your what wife right now talking to all of her friends and they're like, uh, what, what does that stand for? Oh, I have to find his penis later. Yep. <laughs> no, that's exactly how my wife would be. Mm -hmm. I'd like, I'd like to, for the record, for all the viewership, um, I do not have a micro penis, though we do support those who do and thank them for listening. It's, it's okay, Jarvis. It, yeah, it's okay. You can say it. the, it's the motion of the ocean. It's fine. It's and we know it. We know it works. You have three kids. So uh -huh. tiny or not, micro or not, it works. It's not that impressive. It's really not that impressive. <laughs> Look, we did a callback, guys. We did it. Yay. So Ash and Linda have that wonderful moment. The camera kind of pans out. What is uh, clearly some evil presence that's awakened and it's watching up through the window and it's slowly kind of goes down the side of the cabin to all the other windows to everyone else in there, which is where we hit our nude clock at 22 minutes and 13 seconds. We get a decent shot of a Shelly side boob. No, and like directly after that, we see like the whole boob. So that was good too. And nothing but the boob. <laughs> so help me. The yeah. side boob, the whole boob, and nothing but the boob. 
to help you ash to help you ash <laughs> so uh this evil presence gets to the last window where it's cheryl who obviously already had a little bit of run in with this uh craziness and um once again she hears through the window the voice saying join us and again crazy stupid white people she throws on a robe and goes out and tries to track down this voice and ask what they want again mike i would have lived because you know what i would have done i'd have gone to bed and just because you close your eyes and ignore it doesn't make the problem go away. No, it's gone it's gone it's fine <laughs> that, i agree with dan going to i bed. love that they i love that the spirits continued to pursue Cheryl because she was clearly the only one at the cabin not getting laid. They're just like, let's go for that one. Yeah, that's kind of what I thought, too. So, of course, she walks out into the woods, decent distance away from the cabin, and just keeps calling out to the voice, asking who it is, what do they want. And here's where we get the possibly one of the most uncomfortable scenes I've ever seen in the movie. Um, the evil controls the nearby trees. And they latch around Cheryl's arms, her legs. They rip off her robe. They rip away her clothes. And slowly but surely, see one of the branches go between her legs. And and here we get the tree rape. Yeah, that was awkward. Uh, before that happened, the only thing I had was <laughs> I was like, Okay, so she goes outside alone. Great. And then how much more tucked can her robe get? She kept on like tucking it into itself. I was like, it's it, <laughs> that's as far as it'll go. Just you're good. Keep walking for And then, yeah, then the rapes. Ugh, ugh, what a weird scene. I wanted to know at what at what point did she think she was out far enough? You know, like she was like, I heard you in there. Walks 20 more feet into the woods. I know you're out here. Walks 30 more feet into the woods. And I'm just like, what are you going to do when you find them? What the <laughs> fuck are you doing out there? There you are. I, I'll, I'll keep my genuine opinions on this uh, till after the whole thing. But at this point, I, it's a very well-known movie. So I tried to think like, okay, demons are chaotic uh, forces. So demons would just do whatever. So maybe the director's trying to uh, take that position obviously if you've listened to our other episodes that's not my only thoughts on it but that's where i'll leave it for right now i just want to point out um so i again i watch a lot of these movies with my wife um and she as the tree rape is happening she turned to me and she said what if just softly from from the the wood surrounding you heard i am groot <laughs> and it just <laughs> oh, no. fucked me up for life, man. <laughs> oh, that's so sad. Oh, man, it made it worse. I didn't think it could get worse, but that was worse. It's absolutely being it's worth being sued by Disney, that joke alone. I'm good with it. I've said my piece. <laughs> Take me, Judge Judy. Take me to jail. Okay, you're saying Disney listens to us now. Oh man, wouldn't that be sweet? Oh, Disney put our massively expletive-ridden podcast <laughs> straight on Disney Plus, please. Yes. <laughs> Disney, give me free stuff. <laughs> so, thankfully, this scene—I mean, it definitely lasted longer than I would have wanted. But sure, it was lucky enough to break free, and she runs back to the cabin. And obviously, much like every other horror movie constantly tripping and falling while screaming and then running running 
finally gets back to the cabin and she's hysterical, freaking out. She's covered in scratches. Everyone's concerned. And she begs Ash to drive her back to the town. She has nothing to do. She wants nothing to do with this cabin anymore. She just wants to get out of there. You know, that that scene where she's running through the woods, that was very tense. Like the way that the um, that they did the sound and everything, like it completely would cut out. And she thought that she was OK. And then all of a sudden it's like the sounds back on and that that camera's still coming at her and she's back to panicking. And like it was very tense. It was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, a lot of like gotcha moments in that in that part. In my heart of hearts, I was hoping that someone would ask her, like, hey, what were you doing out there when she burst through the door? And I was really hoping she'd be like, oh, you know, just rooting around. <laughs> no one. All right. Nah. Oh, Mike got it. Thanks, Mike. <laughs> but did you guys notice a lot of like th- this is where it started, right? The aggressive consolement. So like she op- or, uh, she's banging on the door like, let me in, let me in, let me in. And Ash opens the door. But when he does that, he grabs her arm very aggressively. I don't know what was if it was supposed to be like reassuring or, or what it was. I think it's because she was like hysterical at that point after what just happened to her outside. So he right. and it was like calm her down and get her to like explain what happened out there. Right. I'm and it was clearly used as a jump scare. But you see it a lot through the movie. So I'm just saying, like, if you watch this movie, pay attention, like. They are they are very aggressive in their consolement techniques too. Because since she wasn't there with a like a significant other, a partner like everybody else, she was kind of like the outsider. So she was like the easiest target. She had nobody that was gonna immediately like have her back. Because like when she says she wants to leave, nobody was like, "Okay, let's go." Nobody was trying to help her out. And Ash finally caved and said, "Okay, I'll take you to town." Yeah, that's a good friend. That's like you're having like a sibling at uh, sibling. Sorry, but such a good friend, almost like a brother. Yeah. Weird. Right. <laughs> but it it's it, it's like everyone else is like, shut up. You're just hallucinating. It's like maybe I'm actually having a problem. <laughs> Can you like just listen to me for a I'm, minute? I'm just having a nervous breakdown. Just let's do what I want to do. Yeah, you'll be OK. Maybe. So obviously Ash agrees to take her back to town, even though how late they get in the car, start driving down the road. And so what apparently Ash sees with his eagle eyes is that the terrifying rickety bridge from earlier has now like bent in on itself in a, essentially in the form of a closed hand. And now my only thought of it was he got out of the car to go check it out. She gets out of the car to follow him and she walks for what almost seems like it was probably like, I don't know, good 50 yards. And then she finds the bridge. So apparently he saw that from that far away and stopped that far away to walk and check it. I just thought it looked like trash. Yeah, same. I think the whole purpose of that shot was just so they could have it lit by the car headlights, which was a cool like I think that was a really good framing of a shot. So I think the whole point behind him stopping so far behind the bridge and walking up to it was so they could show the two of them struggling in the car headlights. Fair, fair. Yeah, fair. Good point. Didn't figure it that way. So there again, though, we have aggressive consolement when she starts freaking out that the bridge is destroyed and Ash just grabs her and starts throwing her around, <laughs> like, just shaking her wildly. 
And it does come from like Calm the, the side down. out in the woods. It's essentially like the scene from Airplane where the lady's freaking out on the plane and they're all just yelling at her to get a hold of herself and smacking her in the face. I'm so happy yes. you said that. That was on the tip of my tongue. <laughs> so they get back to the cabin. And uh, at this point is when Cheryl finally uh, becomes possessed and kind of starts attacking everyone. And she takes her trusty pencil from before and stabs Linda in the leg or uh, the ankle. Sorry. After finally getting her off, they take Cheryl and they uh, lock her in the cellar. And then shortly after that, which I don't know how or just because uh, Shelly's then possessed and she goes to attack Scott decent scuffle uh asks ash for help and ash just kind of stands there petrified for a moment and eventually scott uh woefully uh cuts off shelly's head with an axe and just dismembers the rest of her body yeah i I thought that was like real cool how all the body parts are still wriggling around after scott chopped them off but that was was a really funny scene to me it was like kind of lightened the mood of the movie where uh, I think it was Linda and Shelly were like just sitting doing like playing with the cards and Shelly was humoring Linda, like guess this card, guess this card. And Linda was wrong every single time, but Shelly was like, you got it. That's it. You got it. That's it. <laughs> and then Cheryl who was possessed and was like on the other side of the room. She was able to like know all the cards and that's how you, that, for me, that was like the, the tip off that she was possessed. Yo, that demon was really good at that game, though. Demon all yeah. tricks. Demon missed an uh, opportunity being a magician in Vegas. He could have given up on all these killing teens. And it's a king of hearts. Oh shit! What the? Oh, I, <laughs> I, I, this is kind of where, like, pun intended, the movie sort of showed its cards to me, right? So, like that, the scene had a lot of had a lot of potential, and then you see the demon for the first time. And you just see like the crude makeup and I'm just like, oh, Christ, here we go. Like it's <laughs> it'll be no secret as time goes on that I was not a fan as this movie went on. Um, but yeah, but you glazed over a lot of fun stuff, though, right? That whole scene when they like throw when they throw her uh, Cheryl down in the cellar. <laughs> but Scott is like, was it Scott or Ash? who's like playing whack-a-mole with her and the. uh uh, the oh, the special effects are just so bad, but it made me think like <laughs> if it was like a whack a mole game, like the the Cellar Demon Collection from Fisher Price. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I liked the fact that every time that Ash tried to get into it, they had to throw him at another bookcase. This, this oh, had like seven bookcases, and he ran into every single one of them. <laughs> I yes, I literally I, wrote down this movie should be called Ash versus Bookshelves. <laughs> <laughs> I started to do a uh, Ashworth's bookshelf count and I just gave up because it was at least four bookshelves. Uh-huh. Uh And I'm pretty sure we didn't. We never saw that many bookshelves in any of the shots we saw of this cabin. No, uh, beforehand. <laughs> yeah, he was like in the middle of the woods at one point and then all of a sudden there was a bookshelf. and he was <laughs> This is where I kind of started to shift on my opinion of Scott. He went from like, God, I hate Scott. He's the worst to like, he is my favorite character. And for a couple of reasons, like when Cheryl turns around and she's like freaking out and she's like, she's guessing all the card names and her face is all fucked up. Everyone is visibly shocked and scared and like kind of like uh, they've grouped together now. 
And then Scott just walks across the camera to stage left holding an axe. And he's just like, he's got this expression like, what the fuck is Cheryl's deal, bro? (laughs) (laughs) She's ruining the game. (laughs) One of the girls was like, what? What's with her eyes? I'm like, the bitch is floating. That's what you're on? That's what we're stuck on? The bitch is fucking floating. I, I never stopped hating Scott. Because like immediately after he had to chop up Shelly, he's like, okay, I'm going to leave. I'm going to try to make it to town. It's like, oh, now, now you want to leave, so you're going to leave. But when Shell wanted to leave, you're like, no, we stay. So I, I never stopped hating Scott. So just to piggyback off that, you know, they have that little discussion. Ash and Scott go bury Shelly, and that's when... Scott says, all right, well, I'm leaving. I'm going to town. I'm going to find help or or at least just get the fuck out of here. So Ash decides to go back and check on Linda, who they put in her bed after she got stabbed in the ankle. And she's asleep. She seems fine. And then you notice that the hole in her ankle all of a sudden just changes and she pops up and she's possessed. And I'll say, I think Linda was one of the creepiest possessions for me just because for the first bit, it was just constant, like, that high-pitched, creepy laughter over and over again. I said she was the cutest one. I was like, this <laughs> laugh is adorable. <laughs> the laugh, a little bit of makeup still on her face. Ash runs back to the living room. She kind of slowly follows, which I, they kind of picked and choose with this, that, like, she was kind of slow-moving because of the stab in the ankle. And she just kind of sat there a lot. But later on, she's super mobile and not handicapped in the slightest. So that part a little bothered me a bit, but um, uh, so yeah, Linda follows back to the room. She's just still like constantly uh, Cheryl's still like poking up from the cellar, like taunting him, which I thought was really funny. And this is when uh, Scott comes back in the house after saying like, yeah, I'm out of here. I'm leaving. And apparently I'm starting to think he had his own mishap with the trees because he is just fucked up at this point. Yeah, I was assuming that the the trees got to Scott. We're all thinking the same thing happened to Scott. Yeah. But I mean, I, it, it did seem like he uh, took a gingerly down on that couch. <laughs> <laughs> I will say it was another perfect example of Ash's terrible bedside manner <laughs> with his aggressive consolement because Scott comes back and he is covered in compound fractures. There are bones that are clearly broken broken sticking out of his skin and ash is just slapping him repeatedly in the face (laughs) and about the body oh god yeah i i didn't notice it until you said it jarvis but like ash definitely doesn't know how to approach people that need help like he's like no stop laughing let me just smack her a bunch of times it's not working Half a second later, he backhands Linda, too. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing's working. It it is his go-to method. It's just slap first, ask questions later. From a practicality standpoint, I feel like Scott, like, he was the only one who had the right approach to live, like, in this horror movie. Like, back to when he was cutting up his own girlfriend, like, the demon was shouting out, she... He was uh, the, the demon was shouting, no, you love her. No, stop. You love her. And Scott's just like, nope, fuck that. And keeps <laughs> chopping her up. Yeah. Like, he decides nah, to run out. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Scott was the only qualified person to make it out of this movie. Linda just keeps laughing. As you guys said, Ash just keeps 
slapping, slapping her, telling her to shut up. So he keeps laughing. Scott tells him he has to kill her. And uh, as he's about to shoot her, all of a sudden, like, she changes back. She's no longer has, like, the creepy possessed eyes. She's not laughing anymore. She's just telling him, like, no, it's I'm fine. It's me. You know, please help me. Don't let him take me again. And he immediately, obviously, drops the gun. He's hugging her. And then you no longer hear the seller shaking about. And now you hear Cheryl in her normal voice basically saying the same thing like no ash i'm fine too just come on over open up the cellar just let me out i'm fine this this is the moment that i love the deadites because i realized they're not evil they're just trolls it's hilarious they're just they are trolls they're very trolly yeah and of course like as he uh you know gets closer looks down the cellar and her arm breaks out and grabs him and just you know shaking him yelling join us that was creepy i i had a uh, congratulations you played yourself when like <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, that was good uh yeah and so ash just decides to uh, grab linda by the ankles and just drags her outside yep. drops her there just walks back inside the house yeah that was an odd choice <laughs> I think he intended to kill Linda, but when she kept changing back and forth between like who he had known her as and the dead eyed demon version of her, he just couldn't do it. So that's why he tied her up and left her out there. No, yeah, fair. Uh, so he goes back inside. He's trying to talk to Scott and figure out a plan. Starts trying to pour some water in his mouth. That's clearly not doing anything. And that's when he kind of comes to the realization that Scott's dead, probably from the horrible trauma he's uh, suffered and all of the uh, blood loss. Ash is not medically qualified to administer a fucking glass of water. That is where <laughs> we're at with Ash's medical <laughs> medical and consolement capabilities. I mean, it's because he didn't try to slap Scott with water. Yeah, no, he didn't slap him with the water. He just tried to, like, have him drink it. That's See, the problem. He's he went on this like one minute long spiel about like how oh we're gonna get out of this and up <laughs> the water's just dripping down the front of his body. It was I very love funny. that scene. Yeah, it's good. He was like having a full on conversation with them. They were doing strategy and planning. He's like, "Okay, you win," and he's like, "Oh, you're not in because you're dead." Hey, he might have like <laughs> drowned this man. He might. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was probably cool. Ash. You're I right. Mean, it was probably Ash. It was said when the uh, autopsy came back on Scott and it was causing death drowning. I mean, it was, it was very sad. So it's a sad moment for a second. Linda comes back inside the house and she, um, she now has the terrifying Sumerian dagger. She's trying to stab Ash with it. They have a little fight. Cheryl's still yelling from the cellar, which I enjoyed every moment of that. Um, but... Then it drops the knife, Ash knocks her down and stabs her on it, and she's another little sad moment for Ash. He picks her up, and he takes her out to the uh, tool shed and picks up a chainsaw, which I just went from, okay, you couldn't shoot her, and then you couldn't kill her before, so you just left her outside, and now you're just immediately jumping to, all right, well, I guess I'll just chain you down and cut you into pieces with a chainsaw. Yeah, it was a big leap, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, slaps don't work. Chainsaw lighting. <laughs> I can't. We painfully you. found that out. We have painfully found out from now about you know fifty minutes of film that the slapping was not working. 
I guess we're going to go all limp biscuit on our ass now. Like a chainsaw. Considering how iconic the chainsaw is with Ash, when he had the chainsaw, that was just like, I really like that scene. Because it shows where he got the chainsaw from. Oh yeah, I still enjoyed it. He's got her chained down, he's got the chainsaw. Right as he's about to hack her in the pieces, he sees that horrible little magnifying glass necklace on her and he's like I can't do it so uh, he decides just so well I guess I'll just bury her and the demon in the decides to play the same little game uh, they played before which I kind of skipped over uh, forgetting that it kind of came back here when she first came back in the room and he had the necklace he kind of kept closing his eyes and she'd look his eyes were closed she'd look away it opens his eyes again and so as he's digging a hole to bury her the demon's doing the same thing to him opening her eyes looking at him he looks back closes the eyes again i thought that was kind of funny so he buries her starts to walk away and sure enough she reaches out grabs his leg and pulls herself out of the ground and he just now finally ultimately cuts her head off with the shovel. So that I think was a callback to the, the previous eye scene when Ash gives her the, the stupid magnifying glass necklace. So it was already like one of the shining examples of like the most annoying cinematography I'd ever seen. And then they did it again. And I was just like, I was so done by that point <laughs> in this movie. I was like, no, you guys are, you keep doing the worst things. Do the good things. Cuts her head off. Head kind of like taunts him a bit before ultimately just kind of dying. And he gets back to the cabin and sees that the cellar door is now open. Uh-oh. Yeah, Cheryl, Cheryl's on the loose. Yep, and Cheryl's out in the boot. So he closes it. And I did that on purpose for you. Uh, closes it, starts looking at Cheryl. Shotgun in hand. Finds her. Shoots her through the window, which I thought was interesting. And then he just immediately goes, uh-oh, and runs back to the front of the house to close the door to stop her from getting there. Starts making sure all the doors are closed and then realize, oh, I don't have any more shotgun shells. Where did I see those again? Ah, oh, the cellar. Well, he did barricade the door, and right next to the door was a completely blown-out window. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that, too. <laughs> so I don't know how much uh, effect that would have had to barricade that door. I mean, hey, the demon didn't walk just a few feet over and go through the open window, so it worked out for him. I'm just glad that Linda was dead at this point. That cackle had to fucking stop. <laughs> yeah, it did eventually get annoying. Like, at first I was like, oh, it's kind of creepy. And it's like, all right, I'm still using it. All right, you're still doing it. All right, for the love of God, shut the fuck up. She was kind of cute at first. She reminded me of the mom from that 70s show. <laughs> Kitty. Am I right? Kitty, yes. At yeah. first. And then I was like, man, if Kitty sounded like that for 20 minutes straight, I would have killed Kitty. <laughs> Welcome to Res Life. <laughs> Ash gets down to the cellar, find the rest of the shotgun uh, shells, and uh, you know, as he's, he grabs the box and so he kind of notices, looks up, and what Kind of, at least from what I thought, kind of looks like Linda's uh, like nightgown dress thing, like wrapped around the piping above him, and kind of tugs on it, and it breaks, and just immediate blood starts pouring out of it. 
there's a film reel nearby that kicks on and there's blood pouring out of that. That literally the entire cellar is just filling with blood. And he gets away, he's trying to like get all the shotgun shells out of the box and put them in his pocket, and you start hearing like the voices of Linda and Scotty, and even like a quick call back to the guy in the recorder. Oh, they're going to play the damn incantation again. That should probably help. <laughs> you know, the whole time he's just saying, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. He gets back upstairs, gets to the living room. Uh, Cheryl tries to punch her way through the door and fight him. He shoots her. And this is when Scotty comes back. And not the way we'd hoped. Scotty went down fast, though. Yeah, Scotty did go down fast. Uh, the now possessed Scott grabs him, they wrestle around a bit, they knock the Book of the Dead off this end table, and it lands next to the fire. Uh, Ash then just uses his thumbs and gouges out uh, Scotty's eyes. And as Scotty's still holding him up in the air, he notices that both Scotty and Cheryl are now, like, kind of smoking. And he sees it's because the book is close to the fireplace and slowly being burned. And this is when now he realizes, all right, my goal is to burn that fucking book. All right. Before we get to the the book burning, um, did we talk about the mirror that Ash sees? The mirror is really good. The mirror, it, it's one of those classic mirrors that you stick your hand in and it becomes liquid. And <clears throat> I guess it was just to, you know, to make us realize that this house has paranormal entities going on with it we didn't get that from the pipes bursting with blood or the fact that there are (laughs) demons thrown about but can i just say after all of the traumatic events that ash has been privy to tonight the mirror is what caused him to psychologically break he sticks his hand in the mirror and just fucking loses it i was like that's that's what fucking did it the puddle mirror the that's what has you freaking the fuck out. Maybe it was the awesome effect of it. He was just like, what? This is mind blowing. Holy <laughs> shit, this is fucking crazy. That, that would be, it's, it's almost equivalent to like, if you were to stick his hand inside of like a, I don't know, like a box and it's like cold spaghetti. And he's like, nah, it's cold spaghetti. <laughs> it's worms. It's worms. <laughs> you just hacked your girlfriend up, but this fucking mirror is just doing it for you, man. <laughs> The terror is abound. <laughs> anyway, let's okay. let's get back to Chris, who's going to tell us about the awful claymation scene. Back I to love you. the claymation awful. scene. I, yeah, I'm going to get to that in a minute. And I, you're don't, I don't think you know up. the definition of the word awful. Uh, I'm, I'm very keenly aware of it, but let me not interrupt Chris anymore. <laughs> so... A wonderfully choreographed fight ensues where Ash is just continually trying to crawl towards the book as the body of Scotty is just holding on to him and the demon of Cheryl picks up a fire poker and just keeps whacking him with it. And eventually, Ash is able to use the hideous magnifying glass necklace and almost use it as a lasso and is able to grab the book, drag it towards him, and toss it into the fire. And that's where we get the horrible claymation scene. It's um, so horrible. But, but, so as the book burns, the bodies of both Scotty and Cheryl begin to just kind of melt, decompose, and eventually just kind of explode with hands bursting out of them. Yeah. I mean, it had me till the hands popped out, but the hands are still okay. Yeah. yeah. What was the point of the hands? 
We, I don't we know, but that, I was okay with it. We learned that they're all made of oatmeal. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's all. That's all I actually, have to say about actually, it. Actually, uh, I thought it was grits at one point coming out of Scott's sleeve. Grits. Applesauce, also acceptable. It was Apple totally also acceptable. It was definitely grits. I was like, ooh, gritties. <laughs> yeah, I was like, um. Uh, also, I'd like to point out to uh, Jarvis that, um, it, yes, part of it, I think, may have been claymation, but it was also a uh, stop animation done for that. Oh, well, excuse me. The, yeah. Either way, they all turned into powder laundry detergent. Just blue, just blue sprinkled dust on the floor is what mm. they ended up. It looked good. I was done before the claymation, man. But I, Jesus Christ, that one sealed the deal. I was like, all right, I'm, um, <laughs> I'm done. You like their claymation? No, or nor the the stop illustrate whatever the fuck it was that Chris is trying to sell this stop. movie to me with. Stop motion animation. Yeah, that one. Yeah, you're it not, was terrible. You're not a mesh bro, bro. <laughs> <laughs> you don't like the claymation uh, stop mesh? I love it. I love it when it's done <laughs> properly in a movie that isn't pointless and terrible. But, but uh, please continue. Anyway. <laughs> anyway so <laughs> everything. I'm tallying, I'm tallying all my anyways from Kyle <laughs> for the past four weeks. I'm up to like seven. <laughs> Drink every time you hear me say it. Yep. I have So. Everything seems finally calm. The sun is out. Ash gets up as he's now covered in different kinds of blood, goop, grits, applesauce. And just slowly walks towards the sun. And he's finally escaped. Until we see what apparently be, seems to be some kind of force of evil from the back of the house. Runs, goes through all the doors of the house, goes out the front door meets ash he screams and we cut to black and that's the end i actually like that yeah i was about i was about to say that fun fun fact about that shot is that um so because they had so little amount of money um they did that on a bicycle so they actually put the the camera on the bike and then they rode the bike and they just kept gaining speed and they drove it right through the house and came right up on Bruce Campbell. Yeah. Oh, wow. I kind of like to imagine it as uh, Sam Raimi was uh, like he's holding an air. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's exactly what I wrote at the very first scene in the movie. It's it's <laughs> the camera like panning over the lake, but I was just like Sam Raimi's in a canoe going. <laughs> <laughs> I like how it turned out because it gave like a real wobbly effect to it. And yeah, oh, absolutely. Like, cool. Thank you, Chris. Uh, I think we might have a shout out. Mike, you got something? Uh, we do have a shout out this week. This week's shout out goes to Kenny's Pager and Cassette Tape Warehouse. Like me, I'm sure you live in fear of not being able to be reached in case of an emergency. Do what I did and go to Kenny's Pager and Cassette Tape Warehouse and get yourself a state of the art pager. Your loved ones can send you messages like 911-143 and 80085. Then all you need to do is find a payphone, make sure you have some change, remember their phone number, and just like that, boom, instant communication. What could be any easier? Beep, beep, beep. That's not the sound of the, pol- of the old pager. That's the sound of the police. 
And Kenny's page and cassette tape warehouse has the police's greatest hits on the most convenient way to listen to music. Cassette tapes. That's right, not one, but two sides of messages in a bottle that you can page to your loved ones. There's nothing more relaxing than manually having to re-spool a tape that gets jammed. Hey Roxanne, don't stand so close to me while I'm listening to my tunes. Just page me. Kenny's Pager and Cassette Tape Warehouse, we love you. Awesome. Thank you, Mike. And uh, let's go ahead and go to cinematography here. So as Dan said, they did some like funny, funny stuff uh, with the shots here because they had uh, none dollars. So, uh, Dan, do you have I know you mentioned you had sent it around to us, but there was the bicycle thing. And then what was the other one? Uh, they actually had to like make some mechanisms in order to create like the wobble effect. So they, I think it was like they took two boards and they hammered down the the camera onto it or something, and then they like kind of wobbled it back and forth on that because they couldn't af- afford the um, I don't know what it's called. I want to say gurney for for whatever reason. I don't know if that's what it's called, but whatever it is that they mount the camera on, like mm. they afford that so they had to keep making like different mechanisms for it so there's a couple different ones if if anyone that's listening is interested you could definitely find them on google images like they're all over the place but very interesting yeah i think one of them was a uh was like a, a slide rig or something like that and they just put like pet- uh, petroleum jelly and like a plastic wrap around the camera and just like slid it on a board or something like that it, it's super wild <laughs> so it, it's worth looking into um uh, they, they got some interesting shots i think uh we're going back to an old trope here The it's a small cabin so you are very claustrophobic uh it is very um we said claustrophobic drink yep uh that's that's mike's line <laughs> i don't say it that much do i i think you say it most of the time <laughs> do i okay this uh, is where kyle edited in a montage of all the times that mike has said claustrophobic and cucumbers um and uh, cucumbers. so uh, that and then uh, yeah i don't know they, they did okay they did the the lighting was pretty solid i think throughout the whole thing i mean it was it was real grainy it was kind of rough but i think again that goes down to like none money that this movie was I guess was revolutionary um sort of uh wow maybe i don't know it, it wasn't like super it did become a cult movie yeah i guess i guess that's the word it's not revolutionary <clears throat> it didn't do anything new or crazy but it, it did become super popular uh after the fact and even during the Definitely fact i cult. guess yeah cult following i don't know if i would call it revolutionary but yeah I'll, i might rescind that but the thing I like about a lot of these like lower budget movies, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I thought you might even know something. Nope. But uh, they have to get creative with how they get shots they can't do like, easily with a bigger budget movie. So like you were saying with uh, the camera attached to the bike and having it on a rig where they had to use the petroleum jelly to like get the sliding panning shots. When you get creative like that, when you don't have the money to do it any other way, you get a good result most of the time if you know what you're doing. If that's it for cinematography, I just want to swing over to our special oh, effects oh. department. Oh, no, you're good. You want to go? Oh, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> absolutely. Um, so, you know what? No, no. I, I guess I can just rope it into special effects and whatnot. Oh, we're there. Um, so welcome to special okay. effects town. <laughs> <laughs> so first off, uh, yeah, it's no secret. I'm not, I'm not a fan. Um, I, I couldn't tell. Right. You didn't like it? Wait, really? 
there comes I, I wrote this down and this is a lot coming from me it's rare that i find this degree of gore so fucking pointless and obscene like i i don't know it's it was just it was sans story and it was just all shock and all you know and and there we have proven through the years that you can have both but I just want to go back to like small details that I picked out, right? If we go back to the imagery of the Necronomicon, right? When they first find it, you open it. You have no idea what the fuck that book is because it has some creepy imagery, but it was so PG-13. At one point, they turn the page and it's like a treasure map with like a sea monster. Like, look back. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Fair, it was fair, just, fair. There's just they had no idea what the fuck they were doing. They didn't know what this would the story would eventually become but like the gore was wonderful at times it was like wonderfully ridiculous but it was inconsistent they used milk they used milk jam applesauce grits um toy snakes uh cockroaches live cockroaches and what i'm only assuming is powdered laundry detergent because it reminded me of what my mom used back when i was a kid uh, and that's that's my opinion for the special effects. It was just it was a lot for, I don't know, a little value. I would say with the book specifically, when you have a prop like that in a movie, you're just trying to fill the pages with something. You could have the most random ass like spooky or cult looking stuff. You just need something on the page. So I wouldn't hold that too much against them. But even like the low budget effects, like you were saying, the grits and the jam and the milk and the pudding and the this and the that. You got to use something, and if you make it look too polished and too fake, it doesn't have that gritty, like, old horror movie feel. And that's what I liked about it. It was done, practically it was done cheap on a budget. And yeah, a lot of the movies at this time and in that genre were just like blood, 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 gore, gore, gore to shock people. And some did it better than others. This was one of the good ones. We keep saying small budget dan what was the budget on this compared to like what what its value would be today uh it it's valued at today's money one million dollars i think that's a small budget we've seen a lot more with a lot less um, the original budget that they got and started with was about a hundred thousand dollars and they had to basically continue to like ask people for money and like beg for money like it took them to, it took them i think about two years to make this movie because they kept running out of money oh wow there's a lot of crowdsourcing then huh yeah <laughs> oh. Oh. i mean yeah i mean you think for like a million bucks like what are you going to come out with i mean we saw I, I think the lowest budget film that we've seen so far was deathbed and that as as jokey and as like funny as we would like to poke at it it was like thirty thousand dollars in 1970 something or whatever but that was like honestly it wasn't great i I think that at least evil dead i mean it's you know three to four times the budget uh to at least begin with it it's at least better than (laughs) that evil dead felt like a movie correct that felt like we have a A revelation we have a weekend and a camera (laughs) Right. This weekend. right. I agree. I think that's the, the, the big difference is like 30K will get you or 30K then would get you that. And then 100K will get you at least half of this film. And then the other 100K, uh, 150K, I guess, uh, would end up getting you the rest of the film. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the money was spent on either. It, it, 
it doesn't look like uh one million dollar worth of stuff but i don't know what stuff costs but yeah uh are you are you good there do you mind if we go over to uh our, our sound and music <laughs> please do i have more <laughs> for okay, sound and music. Uh, i personally sound and music um uh, i don't know it, it was a lot of loud <laughs> it was a lot of loud for like half the yeah, movie so i don't a know loud. the the laughing and different effects that they had um i won't call it effects but different like sounds that they used um for different things like i i thought that it was well done i thought that it was creepy it didn't feel cheesy or anything i don't know it felt like they utilized what they had very well the the exorcist ish voice was uh it was kind of like a play on the exorcist i guess which was just like you know it suddenly just deep dark kind of voice which is funny but i don't know maybe that was a callback maybe it wasn't i don't know i think it may have just been something or at least what they could have done with whatever money they had left it's like i want this to be like really demonic and creepy uh we got about enough money to do all right, cool. Do it. I said we got about tree fitting. I said, yeah, we got about tree fitting. Uh, Linda just cackle. Linda, Linda just cackle a bunch. We're low on money. <laughs> Linda, laugh, damn it. <laughs> um, I just want to point out that uh, at the point that Ash is uh, chaining Linda up, that is not how chain clasps sound. <laughs> Go back and watch the film, uh, or don't. If, if you value your time but uh yeah there were some there were some fun uses of like kind of off the wall uh sound effects techniques i guess i could say my biggest thing is like you know it, it's not necessarily like the audio but like there as i've as i've kind of stated like there's very little to this script there was there's litter there there wasn't a lot of effort made towards a point that you could derive from this movie it was like rpg type dialect where it was like, this is your turn to talk. And the scene transitions were a little wonky. Um, I mean, I, I don't know. So maybe, I'm really, maybe I'm being too hard on it. Also, I'm really interested to have you watch the remake of it that was done about, I think it was 2013. It came out and it was like a modern movie. It was very similar to the first movie. And I, I had a bigger budget. So maybe you'd appreciate it more. I absolutely love the 2013 remake. I'm a huge fan, and I and I hope we can we can do that one in the in episodes to come. Yeah, but I'm surprised that you like that one so much, and you don't like this one at all. I would go as far as to say that the remake is one of my all time favorite horror movies. Hmm. I, I I can't get on that train. About <laughs> no. All right, let's let's go ahead and uh just move forward then. Um. So I guess that's the um, that's most of what we do there. Uh, Dan, we got like a spoopy meter. Uh, what did you do this time? Uh, well, I you know, what? originally I felt really bad about my spoopy meter because I was like, this isn't creative. And like because I, I like this movie, so it was hard for me to find things. And I didn't think about bookshelves because I only counted two genuinely. And I was like a zero to two rating. That's not great. So, oh yeah, the zero to two rating you've done like four times already. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I can't keep repeating it. Um, so instead, I'm going to repeat exactly the rating that I had last year, which is four. But it got better because Jarvis said how much he hated this movie and how he, our conversation from before we started recording when he said that Deadites 
these aren't real deadites. So I'm going to say we saw four deadites in this movie. So zero to four, what would you give this movie? Big leap. Uh, spoopy wise, uh, I, I, yeah, I just couple it all in. Yeah, spoopy and overview. Um, so I don't think it was uh, spoopy. I mean, the, the rape scene was weird, but that was about the furthest in like the... Oh, the pencil stab. The pencil stab was good. Uh, I'd say that that got a little bit. Of, uh, I give it a uh, I'll go back to one as well. Uh, it wasn't very spoopy. One for just because it was kind of gross with the pencil stab. Um, beyond that, uh, I I enjoyed my time watching it again. I I did. I think at one point looked away for longer than a couple minutes. So that must have been distracted enough to be able to look away. But I don't know. It was a good time. It was it's been a while since I've watched the original. So uh, I enjoyed it. I'm going to probably go about the same route. I'm going to go with like one, one and a half of spoop. Not really scary. Grossed out at points. Uh, again, I agree. The pencil was great. Uh, the grits and applesauce. It was a little gross. And then four, I'm probably going to go with like three and a half overall. I really love this movie. I've seen bits and pieces of it before. Um, I still want to see the second one. Um, I got when the show came out, I got sucked into that show and loved every second of it. So I definitely want to now go and see the second Evil Dead and watch uh, Army of Darkness. So yeah, I'm going to give it a three and a half out of four overall. Yeah, I think I'm in line with most of you, too. Uh, wise, it's not a very scary movie. It's very much a product of its time. It's kind of like campy and kind of goofy. But nothing goofy-wise compared to how the series progresses with Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness. Uh, overall, I'd give this like three and a half, or maybe four. I do love this movie. I love Ash as a character. Bruce Campbell is one of the my cult actors out there. He has a huge following. And uh, I've played some of the Evil Dead games. I've seen Bruce Campbell and Burn Notice, and he did make carry this series so much where Sam Raimi, every time he did something, he found a way to work Bruce Campbell into it. So I would definitely recommend this movie to anybody out there. Okay, I'll be the black sheep. Um, <laughs> so first, I'm going to take a page out of Dan's book and just say I find it offensive that we are using the term deadites to to describe the demons um deadites are a term used to describe the the um the characters in a real horror movie uh hellraiser and that is a phenomenal movie both movies came out the same year so it's kind of hard to say who took what from who that's fair that's fair um i don't think they're ever referred to in this movie as deadites is that just something we've coined to it's, them it's something later on down the road oh okay understood um so but what i will say right um i i don't mean any just blatant disrespect to this movie i have a ton of respect for this movie and what it did for the horror genre and for the culture um you know it's one thing to watch a movie and not like it but still respect it um like this is more of a movie that if you're trying to gross out your 12 year old cousin like this is what i would put on like, because this is kind of what they can handle. It's juvenile. It's not filmed well. Um, you, it, you know, it shows its budget. But the respect I have toward it is similar to like my respect toward Metallica for like heavy music, where I would rather 
beat my face in with a hammer than listen to Metallica on purpose, but I respect what they did for heavy music. Just not my cup of tea. I give it zero deadites because there are zero deadites in this film. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, Well, I I guess I'll, I'll lift it back up. Um, (laughs) uh, Spoopy. I'm going to give it one to one and a half. Uh, Again, that pencil had me squirming a little bit. um, And like I said earlier, there was a lot of scenes that just felt very tense with the way that they used like sounds and the camera motion, like following people uh, really gave a sense of stalking. So I, I really felt very tense in those kind of moments, but overall it's not very scary. Um, it's like Mike said, a product of its time. And, uh, but with that being said, let's not take away from it. This is first thing I'll say is this is a good movie and I'll give my rating and then I'll give my little bit of disappointment in the movie. So overall, I think I would give this a three, three deadites out of four. Uh, I think it's a solid movie. I feel like it's given a lot of inspiration. There's a lot of things that have sparked from it. And just overall, I think that the movie was very well done. I love the goriness of it, the kind of cheesy goriness of it. With that being said, Let's let's talk about that vine rape scene that I said I would talk about later. All right. So initially, like I said, I I was like, all right, it's a chaotic demon. Demons are chaotic in nature. That's fine. But why did we need that? Like we at first I was like, okay, maybe it needs to penetrate a person like that in order to take over their body. But we are quickly find out that's not true. That's not true at all, because someone gets stabbed in the ankle with a pencil. Another person just gets taken over. We don't even see what happens to her. So there's that logic out the window. Um, So I, I just I think it's really unnecessary. And just continuing to use uh, a woman's body as a prop like it, it just seems very unnecessary. With that being said, Chris sent me a really cool article and we, we talked about it earlier about how Sam Raimi actually regrets doing that scene. And he kind of said that he wanted to just make an entertaining movie that was kind of like gross and, but fun to watch. But he understands that basically he understands that that was really wrong. And like, he, he regrets it and he wishes I didn't do it. And um, if you watch the 2013 one, they, I haven't seen it. But I read that the director of that didn't really want to do it. But the producer was, they quoted him as saying, where's my rape scene? Weird thing to say. Uh, But uh, apparently it was done like more tastefully. Like it was kind of just an alluded to thing. So that's, I at least appreciate that a little bit more than having to sit through like a couple minutes of really uncomfortable, um, that, that really uncomfortable scene. Especially when we don't see it for uh, whatever his name was, uh, Scotty. Uh, yeah, yeah, it happens to Scott, but I'm sorry, we don't see that. So what what are we trying to get at with that? So I, I take a lot of offense with that scene in particular. But again, take that away. I like the movie overall. I like it past that. I just really wish that regrettable scene wasn't even in there. Yeah, uh, I'll take that. And I, I will also add on to that. I, I I find the words tasteful rape scene 
uh, pretty funny. Just in in general, when you went to describe it, <laughs> yeah, I, I, don't, I don't, I didn't know how to say it. Like, <laughs> no, no, I, I hear you. They, they, uh, I think I barely remember it. It's been again, it's it was twenty thirteen or something like that. It's been long enough that I I blacked out since then, I guess. But I think they they get up to the point where like as it's slithering up, and I think they just cut away. I think it's implied. It's just not whatever but yeah i agree it, it was it was a weird thing to do uh it's a weird thing to ask for it again and then it was everything I, in that yeah i remember watching that scene when i was 12 and i was like what the fuck am i watching like even then i was just like i don't I, i'm not woke right now but like this is really mm-hmm. fucking weird and fucked up yeah that's fair uh anybody got anything else yeah, appreciate it. Uh, so I want to send our thanks out to our uh, lovely friends who have helped us out with our art. Uh, that would be Connor McLeod and with our music, who is uh, Andrew Cavanaugh. You can find both of those links inside the podcast description. Uh, if you want to reach out to us, come say hi. Uh, we are on all the podcast things, obviously. And you can also find us on Instagram and uh, uh, Twitter and uh gmail or whatever just reach out to us uh we'd like to hear what you guys want to want us to watch what do you want to talk to us about and uh yeah and uh we will find you guys uh in um about a week or so and chris do you have anything you want to say thanks for stopping by and having a horrible time We're doctors. Yes, we are doctors. doctors. Not, yeah. not anymore. That's yeah, why we, we, we did. We lost all our credibility after you fucking said that skin was <laughs> skin color was determined by melatonin. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's all the same. It's all the same. <laughs>